we're learning about King Yoshiao, one of the greatest kings of Judea ever, as verse 25 testifies to in our chapter. In chapter 23, Kings 2, verse 25, it says, Now, before him, there was no king like him, who returned to the Lord with all his heart, and with all his soul, and with all his possessions. And that's what we say in Kiryat Shema. You're supposed to love Hashem with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your money, with all your possessions. Because some people, they're willing to give their life for Hashem, but not necessarily their money. Well, Yoshiao gave it all up, everything, all for Hashem. According to the entire Torah of Moses, and no one arose like him afterwards either. So that's quite a compliment. And we see throughout the chapter that we learn here why Yoshiao received such praise. We saw a king who heard from the prophet that there's a decree of destruction that's been laid down against Judea. And King Yoshiao, he tried to use that prophecy of doom against Judea as a kind of rallying point on which to cleanse Judea and turn back the clock. Not only was he purging Judea of the idolatry that was there from the days of Manasseh and Ammon, he was actually trying to restore the kingdom of Judea to what it once was. He's trying to bring back the 10 tribes. He's trying to rule over all of, all of Israel. As they say, to renew the glory days. Bring back the days of greatness for Judea. But we see in the next two verses that follow, verses 26, 27, it just wasn't meant to be because Hashem's wrath was not turned back and it was kind of a done deal. They reached the point of no return for what Manasseh had done. That's the last verse we read. And now let's go to verse 27 along these lines. And the Lord said, I will also remove Judea from me. Why also? Because we know he already did it to the 10 tribes. And that's what he says. Just like I removed Israel from before me, those 10 tribes, the same fate awaits Judea. And I have rejected this city. And that word ma'asti, rejected, that's the same wording that was used when Hashem rejected Saul and Saul's kingdom. The prophet Shmuel also used the word ma'asti. So Hashem says, I have rejected the city, the city which I have chosen, Jerusalem. And the house, the temple, which I said, my name shall be there. Well, I'm going to take it away because this was always conditional. If you look at all the promises about Jerusalem, about, about the Davidic dynasty, it was conditional that the Jews have to, of course, fulfill the Torah. And then there's a promise that the temple will stand in Jerusalem. And we have to try to figure out why. Why did it happen anyway, despite the greatness of Yoshiao and all his efforts? Why did the Chorban Bayit take place? We'll try to figure that out as we go along here. Let's wrap it up. Vayete devrei Yoshiao, and the rest of the events of Yoshiao, v'chol Hashem and all that, he did. They are written in the books of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judea. And that's our typical way of signing off on a king. And now we get another verse. In his days, Paronacho, a king of Egypt, went up against the king of Assyria. So before we go on here, Paronacho, that's the name of the Paro of Egypt. Usually you just get the name Paro. But here we get his name, Paro Necho, just like we have a Shishak in the days of Rehavam. This Paro 
in the days of Yoshiao. His name is Paron Achol. And he went up against Melech Ashur, Al Naaprat, by the Euphrates River. Ve'yelech Melech Yoshiao lekrato. And King Yoshiao went towards him. Ve'yimiteo ba'megido. But he was killed in Megiddo. Megiddo, of course, is the northern part of Israel. Kirototo, when he saw him, that is, the verse is saying here, that when Yoshiao saw Paronacho, he was killed. We'll try to figure that out through, through Chazal, through the Midrashim. Verse 30, And his servants transported him dead from Megiddo. And they brought him to Jerusalem. And they buried him in his grave. So we see here, King Yoshiao's death is uh, mentioned, but really in brief. But when you take a dive into Chronicles and then into the Talmud, we're going to get a complete picture of how King Yoshiao falls. So let's first look at the parallel verses in Chronicles. They give us a lot more information. And this is in Chronicles chapter 35, verses 20 to 27. This is what it says. After all this, when Yoshiao had prepared the temple, that Necho, king of Egypt, went up to fight against Karchemish by the Euphrates. And Yoshiao went out against him. So that's kind of similar to what we had in Kings. And before continuing, we know from historical sources uh, that the Egyptian army that we see here was headed to battle against the Babylonian army at this place called Karchemish by the Euphrates. And the Assyrian city of Nineveh had just fallen to the Babylonian forces. And this defeat signaled the crumbling of the Assyrian dominance and the rise of the new regional force, Babylon. So with these shifts in the regional power balance, Egypt is trying to fill that vacuum. And that's what they're doing here. They're not sitting idling by and observing what's going on between Babylon and Assyria. They don't want Babylon to dominate. So Necho here is trying to destroy Babylon's power before he gains full traction. And the most direct route for Necho, Paro's forces, offers troops to go through the land of Israel to get to Babylon. And Megiddo is a fortress at the gateway to the Israel Valley. He wants to pass through Megiddo to get there. So let's continue in Chronicles. We saw that Yoshiao went out against him. That is King Yoshiao. He's not going to have any of that. He's not going to stay home either. He's going out to challenge Paro. And he's also trying to fill a power vacuum. And the Dat Mikra says in, in, in its commentary that King Yoshiao doesn't want Egypt to dominate the region. He's looking to have Judea be the power broker over there. So we see that Yoshiao, as much as he was into the spiritual aspects of obliterating idol worship, as we saw this entire chapter, he was also just as responsible when it came to the national issues. Like all the righteous kings, he was the complete package, upholding the Torah. And we see here, he's out to fight for the land. Okay, Chronicles continues. He sent ambassadors to him saying, that is, Paronacho of Egypt, sent ambassadors to King Yoshiao before King Yoshiao engages against Egypt. He says, Mali Valach Melech Yehuda, what have I to do with you, King of Judea? Lo alecha atahayom. I'm not trying to fight you. I'm not coming against you, but against a house where I have war against. And he continues, And God has given command to hasten me. That is, my God has told me to hurry up and do it. He wants me to hurry. Which means, cease from butting in. Cease from getting involved here, because God who is with me will destroy you. So my God is hastening me, and if you get and if you butt in, my God will destroy you. So, like it says, the Egyptian Paro tells Yoshiao, stay away, and he invokes the name of his God, 
tells Yoshiah to be careful. My God has commanded me to hurry up. And if you butt in, my God will destroy you. See, these leaders all believed in a higher power. There's no atheists walking around in those days. What does it say now? What's Yoshiah's reaction? Nevertheless, Yoshiah would not turn his face from him. So Yoshiah is not complying to Paranacho here. And he says he's going to go out and fight him anyway. And he did not listen to the words of Necho and came to fight in the valley of Megiddo. The next verse says, And the archers shot at King Yoshiao. And the king said to his servants, Take me away, for I am sorely wounded. And this dialogue is not in the book of Kings. Yoshiao says, I'm critically wounded. Just take me away. So the servants took him out of the chariot, put him in a second chariot that he had, and they brought him to Jerusalem, and he died and was buried in the graves of his fathers. And all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Yoshiao. And Jeremiah lamented for Yoshiao. And all the singing men and singing women spoke of Yoshiao in their lamentations. They eulogized them. Until this day, they cry for him. Interesting here that Yermiao is mentioned as lamenting and eulogizing the great king. As a matter of fact, in the book Echa, the book of Lamentations, there's a whole chapter dedicated to the sad fate of King Yoshiao. Okay, so Chronicles definitely added a lot of information for us, and it's a tragic story. Now, if we turn to the Talmud and the Midrash, we're going to get some more fascinating details and some gory details. And Chazal is going to reveal another reason why Yoshiao felt confident to go out against and challenge Paro. And this is from Masechet Ta'anit, page 22. Tractate Ta'anit, page 22, explains what happened. There's a verse in Leviticus, in chapter 26, Parashat Chukotai. And the Torah says that if you go in my statutes, in if you go in my statutes, you will receive blessings. That is, if you are righteous, if Am Yisrael is doing the right thing, all these good things will be stored upon you. And one of those blessings is that a sword will not pass through your land. And I will bring peace to the land. So Yoshiao, being the tzaddik that he is, figured like this. When this verse says a sword won't go through your land, we're not talking about a sword of war. We're not talking about an army coming through to make war with you. Because it says, we're talking about peace, a time of peace. So what's being referred to here is that even a sword of peace won't go through your land. The verse is saying that it will be so peaceful that even a sword of peace, that is an army coming through, not to make war with you, but with somebody else even, that soldiers from a foreign nation pass through, not to fight you, with no intention of fighting against you, which also can be humiliating, you know, when soldiers of another nation just passing through your land, maybe taking things from it. But we're not talking about a sword of war in this verse. It's called a sword of peace, an army coming through, not to make war with you. They just technically have to go through your land to get to another battlefront. And the verse says that if you're righteous, even a sword like that, a sword of peace, won't go through your land. And Paranachon is passing through Eretz Israel here to wage war with, we know from the historians, it's Nebuchadnezzar. He's going against Babylon, not with Israel. As the verse in Chronicles clearly said, stated, what did Paranachon say? What have I to do with you, king of Judea? I'm not coming against you, but against the house with which I'm at war. And so King Yoshea is figuring that his generation is righteous. If you go in my statutes, as the verse says, the verse will be fulfilled and Hashem will not allow a foreign sword, friendly or not friendly, to pass through every Israel. Then the Gomorrah continues in Ta'anit, giving another reason why 
Yoshial felt confident that he can win this thing. Because Paronacho was speaking in the name of his God, right? What did Paronacho say? My gods have hastened me. Don't mess with my gods or they'll get wiped out. That's what he told Yoshiao. Why is that part of the conversation mentioned in our, in our, in our scripture? Because King Yoshiao's thinking, he's invoking his idolatry. He trusts in his idols, then I'll be able to defeat him. That's what the Gomorrah says. So King Yoshiao is saying that God is on my side because he's coming in the name of his false gods, this Paronacho, and I'm coming in the name of the real God, the God of Israel. I'm not going to let that heathen pass through Eretz Israel. And then the Gomorrah and Tanit starts to give details about the death of Yoshiao. So the verse in Chronicles stated concerning Yoshiao, he goes out to battle with Paronacho, and it said, and the archers shot at Yoshiao, and the king said to his servants, get me out of here, I am seriously wounded. So what's the meaning of the phrase, I am seriously wounded? This teaches us that the Egyptian archers made his entire body like a sieve from the many arrows they shot at him. So his body was pierced like a sieve from the arrows that penetrated him. He had a very, very painful, horrible death. And it says in another place that this was even before the battle got underway. Yoshia was just getting his men organized and he gets shot down. Anyway, after all this, you got to be asking the question, how can this be the fate of the righteous King Yoshiao? It just doesn't seem fair. Well, let's continue in Masechet Ta'anit. Rav Shmuel Bar Nachmani said that Rav Yochanan said, for what reason was Yoshiao punished? Because he should have consulted with the prophet Jeremiah to find out if he should go to war or not. But he did not consult with him. And where was Yoshiao's interpretation wrong of the verse, a sword shall not go through your land? That's in a time when everybody's righteous. But he didn't realize his perception was wrong. Again, the verse is talking about if you're a righteous generation, then even in times of peace, our army will not go through your land. The sword will not enter your land. And here's the key to the Gomorrah. But he did not know that his generation did not merit these blessings and he would not therefore receive divine assistance in this regard. So that's the key to understanding why King Yoshiao didn't get the divine assistance. His generation wasn't righteous at all. The verse was referring to If you go in my statutes, then you'll get the blessings. If you don't go in my statutes, well, you're not going to get those blessings. And the Jews in King Yoshiao's generation were not going in the statutes of Hashem. And we'll see some examples to this as we go on. But let's go on in our Gomorrah in Masechet Ta'anit. It discusses here Yoshiao's deathbed reflections, okay? He's on his deathbed. He doesn't have much time. And what happens? When Yoshiao was dying, the prophet Jeremiah saw his lips moving. Yermiao sees Yoshiao's lips moving before he passes away. And he says, perhaps God forbid, he is saying something improper. That is, maybe Yoshiao is complaining about what happened. He's, he's complaining to Hashem. Look what happened to me. I did all the right things and I got killed in such a horrible way. And because of his great distress, he's starting to have second thoughts about Hashem's supervision of the world. Or maybe there's not Hashem at all, he's thinking. Who knows? And Chaval, that in the final moments of his life, he will undo all the great things he did and, God forbid, lose his Gan Eden by harboring heretical thoughts as a result of his bitter bitter end. So Yermiao was very concerned and interested what the dying king was mumbling. And so it says in the Gomorrah, Jeremiah bent over. He's bending over. In order to know what the king is saying. 
And what would he say? It says in the Talmud, Sadiku Hashem, which means Hashem is righteous. For I have rebelled against his word. And I have rebelled against the word of his prophet. So Yoshiao was not complaining. He was justifying God's judgment against him. At that moment, the Gomorrah concludes that Jeremiah began his eulogy for Yoshiao, and it's from Lamentations chapter 4. The breath of our nostrils, the anointed of the Lord, was caught in their traps. And we saw in the parallel narrative in Chronicles, how did we end that? And Jeremiah lamented for Yoshiao, and all the singing men and singing women spoke of Yoshiao in their lamentations until this day. So it really is a very sad story. And the death of the righteous Yoshiao has evoked a lot of um, philosophical musings about Emunah and God's supervision of the world in Jewish literature. For example, in Kohelet by King Solomon, the book Kohelet in chapter 9, at the beginning it says, meaning the same fate awaits the righteous and the wicked. The one who brings a sacrifice and the one who doesn't bring a sacrifice. A common fate awaits them both, as if it doesn't matter if you're good or bad, you're going to die anyway. And Rashi writes, who is the Zovech? Who's the one who brings a sacrifice? That's Yoshiao. And who's the Enozovech? Who's the one who does not bring a sacrifice? That's King Ahab. One righteous and one wicked. And yet, both were killed by enemy arrows. Anyway, we still want to examine if King Yoshiao somehow shares some blame for misappraising the religious revolution that he thought he created, we'll see in our next year that Chazal is suggesting a deep uh, disconnect between the king and the nation. He didn't have his hand on the pulse of the nation enough. Because like we saw today, from Yoshiao's vantage point, the country had been overwhelmingly committed to God and his Torah. That's why he thought he can confront Parod Necho. But we'll see in our next year how his religious revolution had failed to penetrate society. And that caused his downfall.